What's happening, everybody? We got another episode of The Strange Road. I'm your host, Mikey. And of course, as always, riding shotgun, we got Bub Branley. Bub, how the hell are you tonight? I'm great. You good? You stoked? Better than I was this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm real stoked. Better. <laughs> Had a little birthday get together. You, you got know a how little those loose. Go. You yeah. got a little loose. A little weekend warrior got action. Got into some Coronas, from what I hear. and Raiding the pantry and... late night looking for snacks. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, I kept uh, a pretty – I had my nephew in town. We had a great time. Shout out to little Combs. I think he might be in the chat actually. Okay. Uh, but, guys, we have a fantastic episode. But before that, guess what's this weekend? I don't know what. Frogman Fest. I knew what it was. <laughs> I can see the poster down there. You played good. Yeah, you I played along great. Uh, Frogman Fest is this Saturday. Guys, if you haven't gotten your tickets, you got to get your tickets to Frogman Fest. Time is running out. Uh, we only have a few more days. We're going to be out there. Uh, we got a vendor's booth right up front. We're going to be hanging out with Jeffrey and James Willis and a whole bunch of other people. And uh, Asher's, shout out to her. She's yep. going to be emceeing again and giving a presentation. So there's going to be a lot of great speakers. Tons of vendors. There's like over 60 vendors. Really? So last year they had the big MetaZoo tournament. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if there there wasn't enough room for a whole lot of vendors. So this year Jeff really Switched brought it up. in. We've, there's so many great artists and creative people that are going to be selling all kinds of things. So, hey, speaking of. Yes. It's, Look what we got there. Hey. Speaking of. Thanks for reminding it. me. I didn't even think about it. Uh, guys, we got a, some new merch. It's going to be exclusive at Frogman Fest. Yep. But also, all you guys out there in the chat, hit us up if you want. Uh, we can arrange something. But these are going to be exclusive at Frogman Fest this weekend. We also got some hoodies, uh, some new hoodies with new designs. These T-shirts. Yep. We got some branded Bill's hats. Got some hats. And uh, some coffee mugs. So, if you guys are going to be at Frogman Fest, come say Stop what's by. up to Bub. He'll talk your ear off. Yeah. We're also going to be in the AV room helping out all the speakers with their presentations, making everything look and sound dope out there. And also, I want to thank, we got Stoner and our boy Sam. Sam Wise. From Thunderfish Productions. What's up, guys? Sam. Sam Wise. We went on a trip. Yep. Quite a trip, Sam yeah. and I. Oh, yeah. Sam and I have been back and forth across country. Yep. There they are. He's Master stellar. Control. Uh, thanks, thanks for helping out, Sam, tonight. Yeah. Uh, you guys are crushing it. And, hey, let's get to it. Let's bring in our guests. Did I miss anything? No, you ready to go we're international? Good. Yeah, we're going in. We're going international. Let's go worldwide. Uh, you know, we're going intercontinental. Here we go. <laughs> let's bring in our guest. He's a biologist, psychedelic researcher, and currently a Ph.D. exchange student at Maastricht University in the Netherlands, Giordano Rossi. Giordano, Gio, what is up, man? How are you? Welcome to the Strange Road, man. Thanks for doing this. Hello, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Awesome, man. Appreciate this. I know the time zones. You're in the Netherlands. We're here in Columbus, <laughs> Ohio. Uh, we, we got all lined up. We've been chatting for a while. Zeus Tapato introduced us to Gio. Yeah. And uh, Shout said, out hey, Zeus. you, you got you to gotta check this guy out. He's got great, great research, originally from Brazil, uh, you know, exchange student program yep. here, and is doing fantastic research on ayahuasca and the healing benefits. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Gio. Uh, how did you get on this path of becoming interested in psychedelic science and the research that you're doing now? Well, actually... In a sense, I think that my personal life and my professional life have this connection 
that is not really usual for most people. Um, I became interested in, in psychedelics by my own experience with them. Mm. And I really felt like these substances helped me along my path in life. So uh, it was kind of like natural to me um, as uh, someone who likes to understand things and is really curious about how things work because this, these drugs are something else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I actually decided to do the research on ayahuasca the first time I took it. And it was kind of a, I was kind of looking to what I would do with my life, my professional life. Wow. And it was a really interesting moment, like being on the effect of ayahuasca and realizing that I would study it. It wow. was really interesting. Yes. And wow. Wait, wait. So you're yeah, saying you had an, that path ever since you had an epiphany while you were on it the first time that you would study it. It was something like that. Wow. Yes. Like, uh, I had the realization that I wanted to do this with my life while I was on the effect of it. Yeah. Wow. So it, it was really kind of an inception thing, you know? Right. Wow. Right. Yeah. Layers of like, I'm living this and thinking it's all happening. You almost feel like that whole everything is one in the universe. And, you know, if we kind of just put your intentions to it, it just kind of materializes almost like you were dropped right into that meta material. Exactly. And there were also certain circumstances in my environment that also pushed me to it. Like um, I was studying in an university, which is not in my hometown. And my current advisor from Brazil, Rafael dos Santos, he actually came to my university to give a presentation on the stuff that they were doing uh, in my hometown uh, regarding ayahuasca research, this mm. this has been going on for many years before I came to the lab. So it was kind of in the same time that I knew that this lab in my hometown did this research mm. when I took it the first time. So we, it was kind of a synchronous situation that happened. So uh, it, it was strange. It was really clear to me at that point. Like, this is what I... <sighs> my purpose in life yeah. or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's deep. That's deep. I mean, not, not everybody has that, no. type, you know, a lot of people go out and eat mushrooms and do different psychedelics, but they don't yeah. come back most of the time going, I know exactly what I'm going to do with the rest well, of my life. <laughs> my, my question was going to be before you went yes. into that situation, did you, where were you in life? I guess how far along and, you know, some people, when they go to these ayahuasca uh, retreats or whatever and ceremonies kind of, you know, are at different stages trying to figure out certain questions mm -hmm. or levels of existence, if you will. Yeah. So I guess it matters if you go in with your cards kind of aligned of what you're intending to get out of it. Right. Or if you have. Yeah. Is that questions. why you were there? Because you were seeking or. Yes, it, uh, I had this thought. I was kind of, if I may put it like this, lost to yeah. what I would do with my life at that point. And it was something that I was um, kind of in the process of discovering. 
And that experience was actually a catalyst for that. Um, and it was, uh, I had exited uh, a work that was completely not related to that. Like in my biology course, I was studying um, different light treatments to grow mm. brown larvae. So it was a really interesting um, job also, but circumstances went on and I actually realized that I didn't want to keep doing that. And it, it was actually at the last year of my bachelor's. So I, I was really wondering what I would do. Biology is not something that's really valued in Brazil also, sadly. Which is why like we have this... Right. <laughs> But yeah, we have this amazing nature there. Yeah. I, I yeah. even begin to imagine how many things we haven't even discovered, how many things have been destroyed before we could discover them. Right. So, yes, I, I, I like in, in Brazil, biologists usually are working the lab with um, plant genetics, for example. That's something that, like, it's a good job for a biologist mm -hmm. in Brazil, but um, the other thing that biologists do, biologists do, it's becoming a professor. Mm -hmm. I like teaching. It's something that I do enjoy uh, doing, but yes, I, I was kind of really in this um, search when I took it and it, it was something that pushed me in the right direction. Yes, of course. For sure. Uh -huh. Wow. Very interesting. Yeah. And it all kind of just lined up <laughs> and it seemed like it was, you're heading in that direction and you kind of, people can put their self in the right place too. A lot of times, mm -hmm. you know, it's not luck necessarily or, or, you know, divine intervention or whatever, but you know, you put yourself in that. And, and did you do a ceremony? Was it with a shaman? Did you, was it, uh, you know, what type of uh, experience was that? No, it was actually with a friend, a very good friend that I have uh -huh, back in my hometown. And we we took the both of us in his house. Mm. And I, I, I had prior experience with psychedelics, so it mm -hmm. was not something that I was not used to do right. um, with him also. But yes, uh, it, it was not really in any type of ceremony setting mm -hmm. or shamanic or nothing like that. I have been to a shamanic ritual once, um, but I, I find that I usually prefer to um, choose the setting for myself, mm -hmm. like the songs I want to hear, the place and the people with which I want to do. Right. Uh, like this searches for the inner self, mm -hmm. if I can put it like that. And, he, and we were really close in that moment regarding like understanding psychedelics and whatnot, like from a personal uh, point of view, because I wasn't studying them formally yet. But uh, it, it was on, on his house. It was on a room. And... But it, it was really kind of like you guys described, like a 
a puzzle that was the pieces were all over and then it was kind of as if they fit it together uh, in that in that experience that I had and it's really funny also because I've noticed that from time to time in my life this occurs again I have had a similar experience here in Maastricht not under the effects of any drugs actually it was something that just happened like it is as if uh, the universe tells me sometimes what I need to do like mm. it shows me the path and from time to time this happens in my life it's really weird yeah uh, it's something that I'm I, I'm trying to understand exactly what it is I think by now it has to do something with synchronicity i don't know if you guys ever heard that oh yeah big mm-hmm. fan yes so uh, i i do believe that when you are under the effects of these drugs they kind of align with with the path that you need to take sure. somehow sure and oh yeah you're speaking my language really weird <laughs> yeah it's yeah really weird yeah you could say that <laughs> it, it kind of, yeah and it it does for each individual person person also like uh it shows to the people to the person who takes what it's needed for them that kind of adaptive mechanism that these drugs have is also really something that interests me like um it's general in a sense that it it doesn't really depend on the cultural background of the person, on the intelligence, on the emotional regulation, cognitive functioning, and whatnot. Um, and it, it, it kind of like adapts to the inner reality of the person who right. takes it yeah. and shows them their path, which is unique for every one of us. Yeah. So it's yeah, like a that's responsive, really intriguing. Uh-huh. Yeah, like a responsive adaptive medicine. Yes, uh huh. I think that all psychedelics kind of share this mechanism, um, and I also believe that this also have some has something to do with how they can be used to treat different mental disorders. For example, like drug addiction, depression, anxiety. Um, there is a kind of a general mechanism that's behind all of this the and that's something that i am actually kind of focusing right now here in maastricht this was something of the that moment that i commented early on for the synchronicity thing it was something like this that i realizing that i want to understand what is this mechanism that these drugs have that work on different people and different mental disorders? It has to be something more general, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, all the folks in the chat or anybody that is listening definitely feel, can feel that, you know, even if it's, uh, you know, speaking for myself and it, it does seem like it kind of, can point you in a direction or and move you in a certain way to where and you know having moments of of eureka during that experience or uh but even the simple synchronicity of the weird things that happen 
around those experiences. Uh-huh. Like, think about some of the people we've met or come in contact with, you know, out and about over the years when it, it just does seem like there's certain times where, you know, people enter your life and, and give you something. Oh, synchronicities are real it's, for sure. It's and, just, and then it connects with this person over attention. here. And then all of a sudden, most people don't know how to actually see them or they and don't. I think everybody has them, but they're just not maybe paying attention like someone like yourself or. It's almost like you have uh, you to know. listen to them and, and like literally see them and like yeah. put them together. You have to be really paying attention a little bit more than just waking up and going to work and like something happens where you're like that doesn't make any sense. And I will say now this happens and that makes even less sense, but these both yeah. related like before we started the show, <clears throat> yeah, wasn't a lot of synchronicities happening. What do you mean? Just, you know, today or in general, before we started, not today, this, this show, the strange road, our show, copy before we rebooted back in November, it just didn't seem like, like now there's so many strange things happening around people we're running into or people that are reaching out to people we're getting connected with that have similar information. Say, Hey, you really need to talk to this guy over here because they have a different piece of this puzzle. And it's now it's just really uh, exploded in the last like nine months or so for yeah. me at least. But I would say it's similar for what Geo's doing too. Is yeah. you know once you start going down that rabbit hole, yeah. like this is what we're doing. It's going to it starts to self replicate for you. Yeah. It's like when I used to have the hobby of whittling and stuff. Yes. You know how many people just gave me stuff because after a while they knew I did it. I'd have people dropping <laughs> off pieces wood, of bub. wood on my front porch <laughs> that I didn't know. They're like, "Hey, that's the whittler yeah. guy. Give him some wood." Yeah. It was wild. <laughs> yes. I, I also, I have the, I've been going through this spiritual awakening, if you could put it yeah. like that. Yeah. Here. Well, but like, it, this is, has been going, you guys commented, like, for nine months, this kind of synchronicity has been going on. For me, wow. it started a, a month and a half ago. Yeah. And it was a real shift. In my mode of thinking, my philosophy of life, um, because I, I come from uh, a family of engineers, you know, mm-hmm. like people who think really logically mm-hmm. and systematically on things and not religious at all. Not, uh, I didn't have this faith in my upbringing, you know, I never believed anything that couldn't be proved or seeing or really perceived in the everyday life. But it is something like that. When you start, you have to be be open to listen to it. And I was looking, I was searching to be a more faithful person uh, for many years. These things are processes. They, They take long times to really show themselves. But... Now I, I'm really like in a place where um, it's kind of like I am more in control of my life because mm. I know that I can manifest the things um, that I want by thinking in a certain way. It's kind of a mechanism of being that makes the synchronicity happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really mm-hmm. interesting that... that phenomena so do you think it is actually in a way you know positive thinking or this or that my my wife always talks about vision boards or you know keeping you know 
if it's a career or if it's a trip you want to go on or if it's uh, whatever, you know, keeping these images in front of your mental picture and kind of you're always generating that or envisioning that. I used to, before I could play music, I would envision myself on stage singing or playing the guitar. And I, I didn't do either really well at the time. So I would always mentally insert myself into that vision. And I always saw myself doing that. And it makes you wonder if you are just, you know, like you're saying, manifesting these things and people go, oh, how did you do that? You're like, I'm not really sure. Like, sometimes we forget how we do those things. I don't, it's, uh-huh. it's like dreaming. You forget the dream so quick. And once you've done it, you're like, oh, and then you, you can't bring it back again or something. But to keep continually doing it. And like you're saying, once you pay attention to the synchronicities and you're like, man, I've been on a tear for like a month and a half. Like they're just happening over and over. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And it's really funny, like for me, precisely, I think this has to do with the things that I want to research. Like I've been, I started reading the book from Carl Jung, Synchronicity. I don't know if you guys ever read that. Never read it, but a little familiar with with Jung. It is really good. Uh, I would recommend you Absolutely. by having this conversation. I'm pretty sure that you guys would like that book. Put that in the book uh, club yeah. in uh, Discord. <laughs> yes, but it's really funny because I was thinking, I was kind of going through the spiritual awakening, and it was I was I, was all, I have started like to. Um, really organize my thoughts to try to explain what's happening because I think this is related to the um, therapeutic effects of psychedelics. Mm. And when I started reading the reading the book, it was really funny because he was describing exactly the things that I was thinking, you know? And sure. it, it, it's kind of like you project things to the outside and the outside world responds to you in a certain manner. But and it comes back to what we talked before, like you have to be open to this. Otherwise, <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't happen. And yeah. that mentalization, that process that you were talking about, like visualizing you getting where you are, doing the things that you want to do, that really works. It, it does. Mm-hmm. It's not Agreed. simple and it's not really easy. Like for me, for example, to have this belief that this is something that is really, is true for me. And it was like a really a, a big shift, you yeah. know, and I'm really glad to be in this place now in my life. Yes. This has been a really positive change for me, for sure. Well, it's magical. When those kind of things are happening, you really feel like I'm tapping into something that I can't weigh. I can't measure, you know, before the stranger wrote it. And, you know, the years leading up to that, all the festivals and different things we're doing, me and Stone and Ron and Sam and and TJ and all of us guys. But even leading up to that, synchronicity for years after year after year, all these crazy. And then it kind of just stopped a little bit. Like I said, until about nine months ago, that whole system kind of kicks back up. And it's, I think it's just like, 
some kind of energy that we're we're pushing forward with, you know, just being consistent with the show and people that we're talking to and and just, you know, connecting with, you know, everybody out here. And it's almost like creates almost maybe you could say some kind of antenna. I was about to say, zone. yeah, no, it's personal. It's not just this. It's I think for yeah. each person. It's more yeah. when you're not in tune or you're not able to pick up the synchronicities. Yeah. It's just you're just not on the right wavelength. You don't feel the energy. You don't feel centered. Yeah. You don't feel that vibration internally because that's, I mean, when I'm having synchronicities, away. I feel like I'm energetically plugged in. Oh, yeah. Like I oh, have yeah. some yes. external battery source that is powering me. And I'm like, yeah. this is better than coffee. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what's going on. It, and it, it is. It's almost <laughs> like deja vu. You're like. What the hell is yeah. going on? And you're being present as possible just to mm-hmm. sit with it. Yeah. Yeah. You just don't want to. It's like watching a fire that you don't want to end. You're just like, just, oh, my gosh. We I need more logs. Yeah. I hope I wake up yes. tomorrow and they keep going. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I, I was kind of, uh, I've been, uh, I, I wouldn't say afraid, but I would be really sad if this stopped. Mm-hmm. I, I I've been on on it for the, this past month and whatnot, and I don't know. I also think uh, this is an intuition of mine and something that I've been perceiving while going through this process. That it also has to do with giving back to the world something good, you know like the work you guys are doing with the podcast, for example, and reaching people and like touching people's lives, really. And it's something that I strive to do in my job also. Like I have this drive to do good in the world. I, I want to make the world a better place. And I I also have a feeling that this is connected. Like when you enter this synchronous state, um it's because you are not only doing good for yourself but for other people as well you you may not even notice it consciously mm-hmm. like how far you're reaching with the things you're doing but yeah. like look at this we are like worldwide in this conversation right and we may like change the point of view of someone and that's like it's it was worth it if one person that watched this like got a really good outcome by understanding and going further with these things that we may spark with this conversation, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, well said. Yeah. Yeah, and that's really what it boils down to when we get done with these conversations, like, oh, there you go. That's why we do this. Well, it's be- that's yeah. yeah well, yes. because otherwise, incredible. Because otherwise, exactly. it's Mikey talks to you and tells me, "Hey, bub, I met this guy Geo, and he blew my mind." And we have these conversations, right? Mikey and I might have them, or we'll have them with Stone. But like you're saying, putting them in this format—that's really all we're doing—is going. We like we like to talk to people we think are interesting, hopefully, and want to give them a platform to kind of do what you're doing is get that message out further too. And that's why it's so much fun. Like I said, every time it's like, Hey, do you guys want to have this person on? Yes. Like give them, give them our info. Tell them to contact Uh us. Like, let's get it going. Yeah. Yes. 
I wanted to know, Gio, nice. what are some of the things that you're actually coming up with from your research right now with your study since your initial endeavor and then going, hey, this is where I'm going with it? So um, to give a little context for you guys, um, uh, at the end of my bachelor's, I was already in contact with the lab in which I'm working on in Brazil. Okay. And the first thing I did, we have in Brazil, at the end of your bachelor's, you have a type of dissertation, a type of thesis that you need to do. It's a really simple one. It's the first one that you do as a researcher. Um, and I began my journey, actually, it was not even we, the first this bachelor's ending thesis regarded um, another plant that's native to Brazil that's called Jurema Preta or Mimosos Tilis is the, is the scientific name of it. And it also has DMT in its roots. And the first work I've done in the lab was actually more related to analytical chemistry because we did variations on extractions of DMT from that plant. And we analyzed it through uh, liquid chromatography and mass spectrometry, mm. which is a really fancy technique to quantify uh, substances in, in solutions. And that was like my first step uh, into the world of psychedelic research formally. And after that, I entered my master's, which was in the same lab. And my master's were, was, now we started doing research, giving people ayahuasca. Uh, and my lab did that before I was there, but this was my first time, like, really doing a clinical trial, you mm -hmm. know, testing drugs in people and yeah. um, measuring different variables. And my master's uh, compared the use of ayahuasca with and without cannabidiol. So we were expecting that as cannabidiol has some uh, anxiolytic and psychotic properties, that it would maybe ameliorate some of the side effects of ayahuasca. Hmm. Um, we didn't find those results. It was our hypothesis, but well, science is like that. You, <laughs> you have a basis for your thought and you make a hypothesis and you test it and it, it can turn out to not be true. And the, those were those, the results like the, because the trial was with healthful, healthy volunteers and Half of the sample took placebo and ayahuasca, and the other half took cannabidiol and ayahuasca. And we didn't find any differences in all the variables that we measured on those groups. So the conclusion was that cannabidiol doesn't modulate the effects of ayahuasca, at least in the dose and route of administration that we tested, which was oral. Okay. And... This was really good for me, like coming from a biology background, uh, it was really a good time, my master's, for me to learn how to deal with people on the clinical setting. Um, 
as you guys can imagine, lots of things can happen during the sessions. Oh, yeah. Um, some people, people respond in different ways to these drugs. Yeah. And uh, it was really nice for me to learn how to handle certain situations because these drugs also have side effects. It can happen. Like people can get really disoriented. Mm -hmm. Depersonalization, derealization oh, yeah. are some of the more intense side effects that can happen. We do a lot of screening for the participants who enter the trials. So we try to minimize the possibility of those side effects happening. But eventually with enough people that you test these drugs on, they these effects will eventually come up at some point. Yeah. So I'm really grateful for this opportunity for my masters to work with healthy volunteers and learn that. And now in my PhD, we are working with depressed patients. And this is the first trial that we will evaluate four doses of ayahuasca. Um, those doses are administered one week apart. Uh, and we do a follow-up at the fifth and at the eighth week. So it's a two-month participation okay. uh, that the volunteers do in this trial and we are comparing the therapeutic effects for uh, of ayahuasca for depression and anxiety with oral ketamine uh, okay i don't know if you guys know esketamine spravato is the name of the medicine it's already approved by the fda to be used to treat depression hmm. and we we know really much less about the effects of ketamine as a therapeutic tool for depression when it's administered orally, because usually the trials uh, do it intravenously or internasally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So by doing this trial, we are comparing, I don't know, it is a double blind and randomized trial. That means that Nobody in the sessions, neither us, the researchers, neither the volunteers know what they're taking. And they and we are comparing the facts of these both drugs like we imagine and the results are showing uh, that both drugs have um, significant antidepressant and anxiolytic effects. Wow. But it does seem that ayahuasca uh, may be more effective. And we were expecting that. Mm -hmm. Like um, ketamine has to be administered um, in more times. For example, the treatment for depression with Spravato can be done like three times a week. Now, the person right. goes to the clinic. Sorry? Yeah, I said right. I, I've heard about uh, the ketamine studies are really interesting, and I know it does take a, an extended period of time to you kind of have to return for many doses, whereas, you know, some yes. people say in, you know, three or four ayahuasca ceremonies, their depression or anxiety or whatever it is is just gone. Um, so I had heard that I actually have a, a someone that I know that is going through this right now. And um, it, it's, it is quite a bit of commitment. 
Yes, it is. Um, and it also can be really expensive. Yeah. Um, uh, there are also, I don't know if you guys ever heard of Ibogain. Yeah, I've heard of uh, it. Yeah. Iboga, there are clinics. Yes, exactly. Like the, there are clinics that are administered, even in Brazil, like it's not a, it's kind of a gray area in yeah. regards to legal stuff. Yeah. Because it's it's not a controlled substance. So it, here it is. It's not illegal to give it to people, but yeah. It's also not an approved medicine. And that is something that for ibogaine, especially, which is mostly used to treat uh drug mm -hmm. dependence disorders. Yeah. Uh, ibogaine can actually be fatal if you ingest too much or if you ingest in combination with other drugs so um, we really imagine that some bad things happen in this, those clinics that may be kind of put under the rug um, mm -hmm. we do research Yes, yes, it is. And that's the thing, like they charge really expensive fees for you to go there and mm -hmm. take ibogaine, you know, or, or ketamine even. Um, also ayahuasca, there is this kind of, um, how could I say that? There is There are clinics that offer ayahuasca as a treatment. Um, Something that's clear from the scientific point of view is that all these drugs, um, besides ketamine, which has already been approved, but these drugs are mostly investigational drugs uh, on those on our current days. So uh, it's really important that people uh, take care, like be attentive to where they are going. There are some places in which People use these drugs to take advantage of people, you know, like mm -hmm. um, you are in a more suggestible state when you take psychedelics and that can be used to manipulate you. Yeah. Um, and I know stories of people who went to certain places to go to ceremonies mm -hmm. and like the, they, they have been, there are cases of sexual abuse, for example, so yeah yes you you have to like do do some background research to where you're going precisely see yeah. if it's a really uh, a, a good place to go yeah um i would also advise anyone who wants to go like for a, a clinic or a shamanic ritual to take ayahuasca to go not go alone go with a friend someone you trust you know, it's it's important to have support from people that you are intimate in those types of situations, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's terrible stories of, you know, the sexual abuse and all those things and people just straight up getting ripped off and robbed in the middle of the night. And also, you yes. know, on the spiritual side of things, you know, I've heard stories of, of shamans doing witchcraft and putting spells on people and doing it. Who knows who can prove that? Yes. But, but there's, you know, reports of like dark entity kind of situations where they're kind of bringing in instead of the beings of light. 
Um, there's a lot. It's a little bit different of, ceremony yeah, than I was thinking. Where people are seeing instead of like beautiful boa constrictors and the leopards, and they're seeing like ent- like darkness. I don't know enough about and, this, apparently. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. I mean, this is do your research. I personally have not had the opportunity, but that's just because yeah. you know I see myself in Peru or Brazil or wherever I wherever. If it happens, it's not something that I'm really trying to. There's a couple places that I know about the Qatari Center in Peru, uh, the Blue Morpho Center, just because I know people that have been there. No, oh. I know exactly what it is. It's Herbert Quinteros, the uh, ayahuasca, uh, uh, the flute player. He's one of the shamans there. I love his music, but that's the Qatari Center. But, you know, there's so many people that are trying to make a buck off of this stuff. And it's just a shame because it's. Oh, you're going to have that anywhere. Snake oil salesman. And that's what, you know, Gio's saying. You got to do your due diligence. Go to buddy system, you know, poke around. Don't just the first one you see. Oh, book it and, you know, Mm got to got to look into it. Right. Just like anything else. But, I mean, this isn't like anything else, I guess, too, Mm -hmm. because you could go there and really. Like you're saying, being in a maybe a highly suggestive state, I don't know. Yep. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I have the feeling like this these drugs are tools. They are tools as any sure. Like as a hammer, you can use a hammer to construct a house. You can use a hammer to kill someone. You know, right, right. And these drugs can be used for good and bad. Yes, uh-huh. and. It, it's better like to go more from a cautious uh, approach when yeah. people get interested in them uh, for sure yes so you guys found some really interesting results kind of going back to that uh the, your research and, and uh i think we left off where you had said it it looks like it ayahuasca works a little bit better or the results were better than ketamine Yes, I can show you a graph of that. Let me just go back a little bit here. Yeah, that's... Uh, A lot of data. Yeah, I bet. Okay. So, um, before I went out of Brazil to come here, the funding agency which is FAPESP that like gives the grant for me to do this research. Um, We were actually kind of in a situation because uh, uh, of the COVID pandemic, our sampling was delayed to begin. And we will not be able to do, to sample as many people as we initially thought that we would. And this agency was kind of mad at us because of that. But research is like that. You have to adapt um, to the circumstances. Like the ideas are the ideas. And then the real world has a lot of compromises that you have to do to make the research. Sure. So one of the arguments that we put to them that this research was important regardless of the small sample size was that people were having significant ameliorations in their depressive symptoms. So what uh, we are looking at the screen right now, this is a scale 
that's really common to measure depressive symptoms, like in in clinical trials and observational studies, you can only tap into people's minds by asking them things. And science has all these validated scales that we use to measure things. For example, the intensity of depression, of depression and anxiety. And this is called the Beck Depressive uh, Inventory, the Beck Depression Inventory. And what we can see here is that the colors are not really good. I'm sorry for that image. Oh, you're okay. But we can see that there are both two lines that go along the, the graph. Um, on the horizontal axis, The we can see that we apply this scale uh, at the beginning and at the end of each session. Each session lasts for 300 minutes and we measure the intensity of depression at the beginning and it, at the end of each session. Hmm. As I said before, this is done uh, once a week, over four weeks. So here is the baseline for session one, the end of it, baseline for session two, the end of it, and so forth. And we also do the follow-ups that I mentioned at, at the fifth and at the eighth week. And as we can see here, uh, people at the beginning, they are all, both groups that we are evaluating are coming from what we would be considered as severe depression by this scale. This is the score. The highest, the score here on the vertical axis means that the, per, the people, the person who responded to it is more depressed. And uh, we can see that the this line above here, it kind of zigzags along the time. Um, people do get amelioration for their depressive symptoms at, from the beginning and the end mm. of each session. But as you can see, it also rises again at the beginning of session two, like this week that people um, waited for the next session, they got worse mm. in terms of their depressive symptoms according to the scale. And then they take the ayahuasca in the next session and so forth, it, it goes, ayahuasca or ketamine, we don't know. And it goes like this. And I would assume that this is the line that represents the ketamine group. Um, precisely because ketamine doesn't last as long as, uh, as psychedelics in general, but in this case as ayahuasca. And I would guess that this line uh, that goes underneath it and stays kind of like constantly lower is ayahuasca. Uh, I don't know the, because the study is blind, um, mm. but we had to do this graph, like coming back to the, niche, the, the beginning of my explanation, we had to do this graph to show like that there were uh, significant amelioration in the depressive symptoms and that there were differences between groups also. So uh, from my intuition, I would say that the line above 
is ketamine and the line below is ayahuasca. And we can also see here at the end, this is like one month after the last administration, that the lines diverge. Mm. Like people who took this drug underneath mm. uh, continued to be better. Like this is a really right. low score for, mm -hmm. for this scale. And as you guys can see here on the upper line, it, it goes up and remains up. So yeah, it kind of comes down overall. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It does pop back up. But overall, it seems like it does have an effect, but not like that straight. That's like, does. you know, watching your stock market kind of crash. I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah. It's still about five times it's higher. Like wa watching Bitcoin in 2022. Still five times it's... higher than the other drug. <laughs> I mean, that one's at five. Uh -huh. Yeah, that like exactly. Wild. So, I mean, wow. Pretty, pretty potent. It doesn't look right? like a lot, but its magnification times is pretty impressive. Yes. Like if you guys take a look at this, um, like the, the severity of the depression here, people from the lower line are coming from severe depression and ending in minimal to no depression. Yeah. Right. And people in the upper line are coming from severe depression and ending on moderate depression. Right. right. So yes, the, uh, uh, I, we didn't do any statistical analysis comparing this, yeah. the treatments. We just analyzed compared to baseline if there was a significant reduction in mm -hmm. the depressive symptoms. But I do think that at the end of the trial, when we open and see which group is which, that we will also show a difference between groups at this follow-up too, because of this distance that we have here. Yeah, so that, that would, would also be really interesting. Um, wow, man. There are lots of unknowns in regards to oral ketamine to treat depression. Um, the doses, the administration regimens vary a lot and there is little research in this regard. So this is also like, we are also contributing in a sense to get a better understanding on how ketamine can be used as an mm -hmm. oral application to treat depression. Oral route is always like the safest, the best one to use, the easiest one to use. You know, you don't have to have specialized equipment to administer the drugs. So, yes, that, there's a, that is also something that I think it's really nice from this trial that we will show at the end. Wow. I've never seen any results like that before. I mean, that's just the thing is the more research and data we have i feel like there's still such a long way to go but in the last three years they've gotten more data than they have in the previous 70 yeah especially with yes. depression anxiety pt uh, ptsd for um you know the mushrooms have kind of gotten a lot of the attention at least here in the u.s johns hopkins yes. um you know the intravenous long dose uh, dmt intravenous studies um, some of those, uh -huh. but, um, you know, there's not a lot of research on ayahuasca, you know, as the you um, know, kind of the oral traditional brew, at least around the yes. U.S. Um, it's really easy for us to do research with, with ayahuasca in Brazil because yeah. it is actually legalized to yeah. be used there. Um 
this this laws went out in 2010 if i'm not wrong and um they set the ground for religious and scientific research with ayahuasca and it's really easy for us to access it the ayahuasca that we're using in the trials in my lab uh it was donated to us we don't we didn't even pay for it mm. like we have uh, connections in the northern part of brazil where they do it and they just shipped us from mayo like 12 liters of ayahuasca for us to use in these trials hello so, wow yes and it's not common like these plants are native from south america you know mm -hmm. and it's it's a good thing, like it's easy for us, but also I would argue there's a bad side of using ayahuasca to do research because it's not standardized. Mm. Like the psilocybin and pure DMT trials, you really are sure of the dose that you're giving to mm -hmm. people. Mm. You yeah, know? yeah because the brew ayahuasca could be could be. <laughs> not as potent they could have more maoi more of the tracuna more yes. of the uh you know the the grandmother vine it could have it's 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 probably a crapshoot with regulating you know depending on what shaman or whoever is is brewing it or you know where their exactly. lineage comes from and how to make it because they put other some plate some guys put tons of other plants not just the tracuna and, and the ayahuasca vine but they put all kinds of yes. alkali alkaloids and different things that do, you know, you could have a totally different trip from, you know, the guy down the road. Uh-huh. Uh, that's also like comes back to what we discussed before of you choosing a good place to go if you yeah. want to go and have this experience. Um, the official ayahuasca in Brazil is made from jagubi, the, the vine, and chacrona, the the plant, the the leaves of chacrona, and this is what we use in the trials. This is like the official one. But yes, it's not uncommon for the for in other places, non-scientific places, if I could say like that, for it to be mixed with other plants. Tobacco is also something that's really common during. Um, Mm -hmm. ceremonial use of ayahuasca especially shamanic and indigenous um, ceremonies um, I, I, I could even argue that tobacco is more important for some cultures than ayahuasca mm -hmm. and they use what is called rapé, I don't know if you guys are snuff. familiar with that snuff, yes, the snuff yeah. exactly, yeah. <laughs> precisely and it's also psychoactive mm -hmm. and Tobacco also has um, enzyme inhibition properties that may modulate the effect of ayahuasca. Mm. So, yes, um, the one which we use is kind of the standard and legally defined ayahuasca. Uh, what we do, if I may show you guys another graph. Totally. Um let me see. By the way, while you find while you find that, let's give a shout out to the chat. These guys are killing it right now. You seeing this? Yeah, you've got you've got the super active. In the, uh, Geo, chat going we got off, we man. got uh, in the city, Burton, local legend, Stoner's dad's in the house. What's happening? Born Whoa, not to nice. run, rocking that mod yeah, as usual. Going. 
who else we got in here? Dancing Lights, what's happening? And I did see Necro in there earlier. Uh, Geo got a kick out of Necro's image in Instagram for, for, this, <laughs> for this one. We had a, a nice laugh about that. All right, Geo, here we go. What, what you got here? Oh, yeah. So, um, as we were talking, the ayahuasca is really variable. It's kind of almost random. The quantity, the concentration of the alkaloids that you get for each batch that is made. Uh, it can even depend on the time of day that the plants are collected. So um, each ayahuasca is unique in its formulation. And what we do, uh, we there are these grades for ayahuasca in the ceremonial, religious, and traditional contexts. And we use a grade that's called like a third degree. And it's a very, it's kind of a standard psychoactive dose that's used in rituals. So we kind of settled for that concept, like that third degree is within a range of concentrations, if I may speak it like that. And what we do is that we measure the alkaloids. So the dose is defined by volume. We give people um, one milliliter per bodily kilogram. And then we measure the quantity of the alkaloids over time. Mm. To First, to be certain that they're not degrading, we keep the ayahuasca that we use freezed. So we unfreezed, we unfreeze the portion only for the volunteer in like in the night before that the volunteer is going. And as you can see here, we have like three different analyses that are shown in these three different colors. And this is for harming, harmaline, DMT, and tetrahydroharmine. Tetra um, you can see that there is a variation between the different time points in which we did this analysis, but these variations are within the error of the measurement. So um, we, guys, let me, just a little second. Sure. Yeah, harmine and harmaline, you start learning about that stuff. It's wild, bro. Oh, Those, uh, they're just these weird alkaloids that have, all kinds they're so like chemistry wise they're so robust and and just strange like I, I don't even think we really know that much about harmine and harmaline and that's like your Syrian rue that's your kind of your maoi inhibitors but there's so many other ones that are just like have all these strange properties uh, go ahead geo um yes uh, i'm going to talk a little bit lower because sure sure um, uh, there are people sleeping. Downstairs. You're good. Sure, You're good. sure. Um, so, yes, um, the the beta carbolines, the harmala alkaloids, which are harming harmaline and tetrahydroharmine, they they have this antidepressant effect. Like they work in the same mechanism as approved antidepressants that we have in the market. So it's really interesting this for ayahuasca that uh, it may have a special potential to treat depression because of that. 
Um, we're not really sure. There are not, there aren't any studies that compared ayahuasca with other uh, substances like psilocybin and LSD for the treatment of depression. Mm -hmm. So that that is actually something that I'm curious to see. It may be that ayahuasca, by having these other substances, can mm -hmm. be tailored to treat some specific disorders and it's better for doing that than other psychedelics yeah so yes that's that's something really interesting about about it um another thing that's really cool about ayahuasca that differs from other psychedelics is that we have all this evidence for observational trials because as it's legalized to use in Brazil, you can just go there and collect data for people who are taking it mm. on their own, you know? Wow. And we don't have this kind of evidence for uh, psilocybin and LSD, for example, because now we're coming to the place where the time where these drugs will eventually be uh, legalized i think in many places in the world yeah but ayahuasca has this unique background from observational studies that's also really interesting like you can see life changes in people over years if you want you can compare people who take ayahuasca over many over a long period of time with people who um are matched controls that don't take ayahuasca. And you usually see differences in well-being and quality, quality of life, less prevalence of drug abuse and um, mental disorders in general. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think there's been studies in Peru or I don't know what university did it, but they just simply studied the Amazonian and indigenous people that had the tradition for whatever hundreds, thousands of years. And they did, they studied them and they're just like the happiest people in the world. Like the levels of their chemicals and, and just as far as like, you know, it's there, there's no depression, there's no anxiety, there's no schizophrenia, there's no just mental health issues at all in a lot of those communities. So I think that alone, you can look at, the people that have been using it for such a long time. And, and you can say that about peyote and San Pedro and the mushroom shamans of Mexico. And, you know, generally you can look at them and say, oh, they're poor. How can they be so happy? No, they're the happiest people ever. They might not have iPhones and, and all the best clothes or cars and all these things and material things, but they have family, they have community, and they are very happy people. Exactly. Uh, I, I think that we live in a really materialistic, um, like, uh, uh, not really entering the discussion of the social environment, but we are really in an age of like uh, really far down the road of industrialization and all these goods that we have. So people lost connection to that essence, like with nature, with um, 
I don't know, with this spiritual side of life, really. And I, I think that those people are really happy, content with their lives because they have that. And it, it's not like um, things that you have, they do bring you some joy, but they're not like the end of the road. Uh, I think for me personally, like this, the, the journey is much more about discovering who I am, what I, my desires, what drives me in life. That makes me happy. That makes me content. Sure. And I'm, I'm, I'm not really like, I have a really comfortable life in terms of uh, stuff that I have. Like I, I don't miss anything. I'm really grateful for having everything I have, for having this opportunity to be here, for example. And I think that maybe if people would search more for that and less for things to have, material things, they would be happier in general. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. And I think the, these kind of substances kind of wake people up to those realizations like, oh, wow, I've been chasing the wrong things this whole time. There's this whole other world that's being revealed to me. And, and I want to, I want to see what this is about because it's just completely alien to them until it's revealed. Exactly. Uh huh. Totally agree with you. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's some pretty serious data. I'm yeah, I'm kind of just overwhelmed because I don't know that much about ayahuasca in general. So I was just like trying to pick up on what was happening there. I had no idea it was that in depth as far as what's actually going on and the what's in it. I, I never really guessed took it into consideration. And even when Gio was talking about like the logistics of trying to break it down and really source out like, well, what's this? How much is in this one? What, you know, there is no standardization. There's no like you go down to the pharmaceutical company that you know manufactures <laughs> it like Sandostat and you know used to do or whoever it was that used to do the LSD trials back in the day. Yeah. Oh, you just go down to the lab and they've got you know barrels of it for you and it's all regulated and MDMA. So very interesting to yes. consider that. So I guess how did you get to a, a standardization or how did you get to a level of like you said one mL per kilogram? I think um, of ayahuasca. How, what? Yeah, so um, we wanted to follow, um, we wanted to have a psychoactive dose that's clearly um, psychoactive. Right. And um, we also didn't want for people to have to drink a really big volume mm -hmm. of liquid. Yeah. And this concentration that is the one that we 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 use this like something kind of in the middle there are some really strong ayahuascas like they're called the translation to english is honey because they're so thick oh, and concentrated oh, 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 that, yeah it's not even a liquid just anymore. thinking about it oh yeah Oh my God! Yeah. I, I know. Uh, does it does it taste bad? Is a question in the chat. Does it taste bad? Here it <laughs> he, horrible. he didn't say anything, but his face said it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We. I have a friend that uh, went to 
the American Southwest and to uh, a peyote center. And basically you have to drink slash gulp whatever. It's not drinking, good. but it's this huge good. mason jar. Nope. And they tell you that you every hour you have to drink so much. And they tell you do not drink more than the allotted amount. So it's literally like hour, like nope. two, three hours you're sitting here drinking this giant thing. And if you you'd be like, oh, yeah, what do they know? And some people just start going at it. That's when you start throw because your system can't handle it because that liquid that it's just so much volume and that's where he's no I'm good they want to make sure that they don't have to drink a whole bunch I I know and it's just that like taking a shot almost oh yeah no absolutely it's just a little concentrated bolus and load it up and go yeah whoa uh huh yes it's like um, one milliliter per body kilogram the mean Weight for the people in this trial is around 70 yeah. kilograms. So people take 70 milliliters. Yeah. It's, 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 you can take it in one goop. And I myself vomit a lot every time I take ayahuasca, like just the taste of it. Just, it, yeah. it, it it really uh, triggers something because it's a really characteristic taste. So uh, I wouldn't put ayahuasca is the least uh, recreational, yeah, psychedelic. I, I would I would argue, yeah, that in a boga. Because uh, you talked a little bit about yes. a boga earlier. I just, I don't know if a yes. lot of people in the chat and people listening know what a So Ibogaine is kind of your synthesized, boiled down version of Iboga, which is a, a African shrub. And you'll trip for three days. Ibogaine, you uh-huh. can trip for 24 hours. But Iboga is literally like a three-day. I'm good. Completely like you don't. You better have your wheat cleared, bro. And it and that's why the Ibogaine was created because it's just like to deal with a boga, and and you know going to Africa and having these these ceremonies that just last like three mm-hmm. days. And and it's just and that's the it scrubs your um, the opiate receptors. In your brain, apparently it just kind of like cleans them and scrubs them. It like squeegees those and cleans them all up. And that's where it has a great deal of effect in, in opiate addiction, especially. That's interesting. Yes. You have to yes. The, the mechanism of, of action of ibogaine is really, uh, we don't actually really know how it does what it does. Like, Taking someone who has this heavy use of, for example, heroin and making people like after, of course, it's a really intense session, as you were describing. But yes, it's really something else. Like how can one session Mm -hmm. of a drug make you stop an addiction that maybe came from years and years of a really addictive substance, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, this this seems that ibogaine is special in this sense. Like, other psychedelics also make people use less of other drugs. 
they have this property of reducing the consumption of drugs in general. But ibogaine really shines in that respect. And uh, we don't really fully understand exactly how it does that. Yeah. It's wild stuff. I know that. It is. I think it I'm is. I think I'm good though. <laughs> I think I'm okay. Yes. I don't need to go that route. No, I'm not trying to go 24 yes. hours. Uh, what well, yes, I want to ask, good. I want to ask a hypothetical here, mm -hmm. right? Because you have ayahuasca, you have DMT, you have ibogaine, you have all these different super powerful psychedelics. Do you think there's potentially other psychedelics or hallucinogens still out there yet to be discovered? Because even with again back to regards to ayahuasca and the the production of it, who knows? what plants still hold what, you know, special power or, or makeup or materials uh -huh. in them. You know, I just, um, I, I wonder, is, is that an area? Is that any kind like on the edge of the research? Because I, I think even Zeus a couple of times has mentioned different, um, drugs that I've never even heard of. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Is that a new, is this, are we still developing? Are we, do you know what I mean? Yes, perfectly. Uh, so, uh, DMT is classified as a classic psychedelic together with LSD, psilocybin, and mescaline. Um, this, um, besides LSD, which is a semi-synthetic substance, they come naturally, they occur naturally in the fungi and the plants. But... The first part of the answer is I personally believe that there are other substances produced by plants that we don't even know of right. in the like Western culture. Yeah. Um, I would assume that that is a fact. Uh, I cannot be sure because I don't really know by like, but if you enter far enough within the Amazon, for example, you are bound to stumble across some plant that has some psychoactive substance in it. Yeah. Wow. And on the other hand, we have all these um, semi-synthetic and synthetic substances that are being developed. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Shurgin. Mm -mm. Um no. He wrote oh, two Alex books. Shogun? Uh, Shogun? Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yep. Uh -huh. So he was like a pioneer in the discovery of many other drugs that are closely related, especially considering their uh, molecular structure. So he has the two books, like it's yeah. the one is for the phenethylamines and the other is for the tryptamines. Yeah. And he wrote a book on how to synthesize all these. And like yes. so many people have gotten a hold of these books. It's crazy. I mean, he's 2CB. He invented 2CB. He invented, yes. you know, LSA or synthesized LSA. Like so many of those like designer, like you could, you could get on back in the day on the Silk Road. That's all Shulgin. He Didn't literally wrote the book. That guy's a fascinating dude. That's cool. Um, he's he's in some great documentaries. Um, 
One is Neurons to Nirvana, where they really talk about him in that documentary. Um, but, you know, and like what he's talking about going down in the – the guy that did that is Richard Evan Schultes. He's like the yes. the literally the godfather of all of the Western – people even knowing about psilocybin and ayahuasca. That dude was in the 50, 40s and 50s taking canoes uh-huh. down the Amazon – Going up to Mexico in the mountains and writing about all these incredible and gaining their trust and doing ceremonies with them. The Beatniks got a hold of it and Leary and all them eventually got a hold of it. But those are kind of those two guys are very important gentlemen. Yes, they are. Uh-huh. And but the thing is, you can change, like you can get the basic structure for the molecules. And you can add elements to it, like mm. you add a bromine into some place, or you put an hydroxyl group in another place of the molecule. And by being really similar, chemically speaking, they act similarly, pharmacologically speaking, as well. Yeah. So, yes, the like. All this, you have the base structure and you can make a lot of variations in it. Those drugs will be similar in their effects. Um, these are called research chemicals. And the problem with those drugs is that you don't really know um, their safety and tolerability. Um, and here in the Netherlands, for example, it's really interesting because in Brazil and I think in the USA is the same way as in Brazil, like the substances are prohibited by their base structure. Hmm. So you have, for example, the base structure of amphetamine Mm -hmm. and every drug that's derived from it is prohibited also. But here they don't do that. They actually prohibit each single substance that's synthesized. So it's kind of a cat and yep. mouse game that they play mm. because you can enter on the, it's not the dark web. You can enter on the internet here and buy drugs if you want. And uh, substances that are really close in their mechanism of action for LSD, for example, uh, for cathions for amphetamines so that that comes the problem because these drugs have not been studied uh, scientifically speaking and they may have some side effects that because there's something different from the base structure that they are derived from um, they also can produce unwanted effects that are unknown and those effects can also be something that with repeated exposures is not something that you will notice on the first or second time that you use but maybe they can give you cancer for example if you use them for a long period of time Mm. so yes i would I would travel carefully in those waters of these research chemicals. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And what Zeus was saying on the last episode when we had him on was just, you can get anything right now in the Netherlands. 
And I know that they have, you know, a giant cartel, uh, cartels that are operating. And just the illegal drug trade right now is kind of out of control in the Netherlands. It's, it's receiving a lot of headlines around the world, um, you know, being compared to like cartels in Mexico and just how much money is being made with the MDMA trade and some of these designer drugs. Um, and it's but but yet they're closing down the coffee shops and, and they're they're getting rid of the the smart shops and some of those things, which it's like, don't ruin, don't ruin the Netherlands. No, don't get rid of that yeah. stuff. It's the most amazing thing about, uh, you know, it, cannabis is legal everywhere here. But, you know, back in the day, Amsterdam was the spot. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. The, the, this culture of tolerance with drug use. Yeah. And uh, goes, goes, Many years goes back. Deep, goes here. deep. Uh-huh. Wow. Well, Gio, we have a, a little bit of time left. Is there any other th- uh, research or data that you want to tell us about? Or, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to kind of cut. I know you have this awesome slideshow. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think we got we got some more time if you wanted to get into anything else, else with your research. Uh, it's been a great conversation so far, man. I, I really appreciate yeah. everything yes. you're sharing. Yeah. I'm enjoying it a lot too. Yes, let me see. Oh, this this is something we can comment on. Sure. Um, This is my lab, our lab in Brazil. Okay. Um, People usually spend most of the of their time during the experimental sessions in that yellow couch. I don't think we have it up just yet. We can throw that up, Stoner. There we go. Cool. There we go, Geo. All right. We got everybody. Okay. Yeah. So people spend most of the experimental sessions in that couch. It's okay. a reclinable couch. And uh, as you guys may notice, this is a very neutral. Um, uh, it's not... We don't have like colorful lights or elements of nature. And this is something of a, a philosophy that we have in the lab in Brazil that is different from most of other labs who do research with these drugs. Um, we want to test the effect of the drug by itself mm-hmm. with as little confounders as possible. So if you, we don't do any type of psychotherapy approach with the volunteers that participate, we are really evaluating, like, if you want to take a medicine for a headache, for example, you want to take that medicine and be free of your headache. And that that's the way we test these drugs. We, we want to know if... If you give the drug to the patient, does it work without any other intervention? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really hot topic in psychedelic research right now because most of the research done with psilocybin and even intravenous DMT, most of the research that is done in the northern part of the world Um the protocol includes integrative um, therapy sessions 
before, right. during, and after the the administration of the psychedelic. And it is yet unknown how much this affects the the therapeutic effects. Like it does seem to make a difference. We notice like from people who participate in this trial in Brazil, when they do psychotherapy that's not related to their participation, we usually see that they can describe things in a more precise way, what they're going on in their mind, and also that they integrate the experience better. But how much of a difference that makes is unknown uh, with the current research that we have. And it's also something that makes the, um, the treatment more expensive. If you have like specialists, like psych psychiatrists, psychologists that have to be there, that have to accompany, we do have those in our approach. We usually tell people just like go into your inner self, close your eyes, and if you want to talk, we are here. Right. Some people want to talk and we do talk to them. Yeah. Some people prefer to be alone in the room and we just go out and stay in a room that's just beside this. Um, but that's a really interesting topic. Like uh, the how much does psychotherapy actually improves i i do believe that it improves the outcomes of using psychedelics in therapeutic context but we are not really sure how much we're not mm, even sure interesting yes because we're not even the oh, integrative yes, the integrative process like like uh after your session It'd be interesting to know what's the baseline. What is the drug actually doing without any human input? You're just there. You're in that comfy looking chair and, you know, getting a ton of research on that. Like, yeah, we're here if you need us. But and then also, yes. you know, at the end is where I see it more beneficial is integration after it's done. The weeks leading, you know, out of it to because, you know, you can't trip all the time. You can't just eat mushrooms every week. I mean, some people do that. Yeah. That's fine for me personally. Or, uh -huh. It's just not something that, you know, you have, you got stuff, you got shit to do. <laughs> you exactly. can't be tripping all, most people can't be tripping all the time. God bless you. Go to work. Yeah. If you're tripping all the time, God bless you. Um, but you know, you got to have something to kind of integrate those experiences. And I think that's where maybe it'd be more valuable. Um, but it would be interesting to see a ton of data on just, what is it doing without any input? Just that sitting in the chair. Yes. Well, and he's also saying it's not, you're not getting any, do you actually need the psychotherapy? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Isn't that what we're saying yeah. here? Like, can we just go, like you said, I have a headache. Can I take a Tylenol? I don't have a headache. Can I go take ayahuasca? And I don't need a therapist to tell me how it's going to make me feel better. Do this. I take it. I'm better. See ya. Yeah, and I don't need it. you to guide me. I through never it. even conceived yes. of that yeah. that type of 
That's what's really interesting that's to me. Why how you it. just frame that of like mm-hmm. a Tylenol for a headache just totally changed my thought process on how that whole thing might go. It's interesting. Wow. And, and I do believe like um, it, it would make the treatment cheaper. Uh, sure. Of, of course, that big pharma also enters, will eventually enter this somehow sure. and make their money on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, yes. If if you know someone, I don't know, maybe an elderly lady just wants to go there and get better for her depression. She doesn't yeah. want to have all this protocol right. attached to right. it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, uh, it is important to have support if needed. Yes, but it's not essential. That's yeah. That's kind of. Like, and I yeah. think, yeah, it's a clear distinction that you're making there. It's not saying you can't. It's not saying it's yeah. not offered. It's instead of saying that, it's not. It's going, you don't have to. It's well, not lockstep. If you want to do this, you have to do this. And you, to that's a very it. Western thing, and that's a very controlled, well, I would say. I think I know why. Engineered though. move. But I know um, why. What? Because that's how it's going to become more acceptable to get it legalized. It's no. like, yo, you got, that's why. That's why they developed those therapies in the U.S. Maps I, I and think all those I, groups. I, I are think developing. it's because of more what he's saying. We 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 as people might have an over and like conflated sense of self. I the therapist and more important. No, it might be that the Tylenol well, took my headache away, and you telling me that I don't have a headache doesn't do shit for but me. The people in psychology are the ones that are doing these studies in america with all the different psychedelics so the part of that is i get that i'm the people that are doing the studies with the psychedelics are one but therapy at large or psych psychotherapy at large doesn't look at that they might look at psychedelics and say it's garbage and they might say that my therapy is helping i think they put the protocols in to have more of a fast track towards legalization and for it to become more accessible so you know they they kind of are ensuring that it's like, hey, we're putting all these safety measures and we have therapy and yes. there's all these protocols and th- to some extent, they put it in there. To some extent, and the to, other extent, it's just bloat. Make it acceptable. It's just like bloat. It is Just bloat. like when you get a phone too and you're I'm like, I don't saying, need all these apps. What are all these apps on my phone it. for? I'm not saying it's not. I get it, but I'm much more with his method. I like going, it too. Hey, That's why this is blowing my mind because I've never thought about overproducing everything. Yeah, can I'm we with quit you. involving every administrator and everybody else and like, can we just get the people that matter in this like do the brass tax work of it and like leave out all the guff and it'll get worse believe me like you just mentioned once big pharma catches wind and once yes. this gets to the it's point that it, it is but There's wait till it gets for profit companies look at ozempic look at stuff like that wait till it's i'm yeah. scared man i'm scared geo i'm kind of freaked out because everything is just being monetized everything's just being turned into a service and i hate to say that because there's services that are needed but Anytime you start involving money, it's just over. It's just, it turns gross. With medical care. With anything. Yes. Money with everything. Well, yeah, the whole world it runs perverts on money. It. Yeah, perverts anything. Yeah. But um, unfortunately, I see no way around sure. that. Yeah, it's just the way things work. Yeah. Speaking of that, it's don't forget, super stickers and super chats are oh. available. <laughs> Jesus. That was shameless. <laughs> I had to. Oh, you got a you got a bug fun. That was that. awesome. <laughs> but yes, exactly, Gio. 
Well, uh, yeah, and uh, it keeps do, some people in it for the right reasons, and it keeps some people in for the wrong reasons. So it's where you, yeah. as the consumer, at the end of the day, yeah, we have to make good decisions. Just going back to the same ideology of picking the uh, right ayahuasca retreat, right? Like make good informed choices. So I guess the only thing I'm left to do with is, you know, as yeah. this arises, I have to just deal with the fact that I'm going to have to deal with the corporatocracy of it. Yeah. There is also the, the matter of the, this uh, ayahuasca specifically, like it was not discovered by any pharmaceutical company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how will profits that will eventually come from using this knowledge of ayahuasca, you know, how would that go back? To yeah. the indigenous people that discovered it. Yeah. Yeah. Like you could put some type of of 20% of a percentage of the of the profits of the sale of medicines that we will eventually be developed yeah. from ayahuasca yeah. should yeah. go back to indigenous people. Um I believe that's something that could be done, but unfortunately, I think that's something that will not yeah. um, and I, I think the right thing to do would be to do it yeah but that's it like greed <laughs> and fight the good dealing, fight yeah and when dealing with people's health yeah you it's really important so you don't like you invest in it so yeah yeah, but we're not doing that. We're in, we're in we as a society at large also for, don't invest in our own health. For profit corporations. Yes. We don't we well, don't do things to keep ourselves healthy. Most people just expect the medical uh, apparatus to be above board and the pharmaceutical companies are doing good and That's the, a you know, terrible way medical. to look at things. But uh, for the most part, I think I'll people, take ibuprofen and Tylenol. I'm the not going to any I'm not going any of that stuff. If you're offering me a pill, I'd rather go run the mile <laughs> or just not eat the extra slice of cake or whatever, but I'm telling you. You're eating that extra. I'm not getting on pills again ever if I ever need anything. Well, you learned a I won't a do it. No, lesson. I'm just saying any of that stuff where it's like this could solve it. You could solve it. We could solve ourselves. It's easier said than done, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Certain things, certain things. I'm just saying, like, in, in the event of going, well, like, do I want to put the work in or I don't want to just pay for this pill to do it? No, I'm going to put the work in it. That's yeah. just how it is because I find, and it just reminds me of whether it's medicine or whether it's a surgery or whatever. You go into it thinking, okay, I've got this injury or this ailment. I'm going to get this surgery or this pill, and I'm going to get back to 100%. And no, you're not. You're going to get to 90%. You're going to get to 80%. And that's how it subsequently goes. The more you keep trying to chip away at that 100, you're going to keep reducing your overall effectiveness. Like, well, I'll get this knee done and that knee done. and th-. No, like you have to change certain things outside of that as well. Like there are certain factors we all are succumb to, but... I'm just saying that easy way out of like, oh, here's the magic solution. Just no, I don't think that works that way. And I think that's that kind of fool's gold. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, we live in this really, nowadays, everything happens really fast. And people expect this instantaneous results from things. And 
I think that the journey of putting the effort in getting what you want also makes it more valuable mm. when you reach it. So, yes, um, people have kind of in a general way lost this drive to conquer the good things in their life like it's i think it's also related to this disconnection that we are currently living with nature you know we we just like coming even from my biology background we're destroying the planet as a species yeah like just because we are selling the future of humanity to have things now yes you know Yes. And that for me doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, just the overproduction of plastic, just being yes. one one of the problems yeah. of uh-huh. and, and that's just like how do you stop just that one thing? Like single use plastic. You could stop that. We could just say, hey, the, our full time job beaches, is to make this planet better. You know, our full time, we don't need to go out yeah, and do this, that. I mean, what we need to do for the next 20 years is just clean clean up. It's like we had a big party for a couple dude, hundred thousands of years or whatever. year old kid made that cleanup to clean up the Plastics, Texas size yeah. garbage patch yep. in the middle of the ocean. Yep. And Where's that? I'm why just, isn't that dude getting? Funded? We can use all this AI Where's the and autonomous stuff here to go to that. We'll we'll get all these robots to do it. Well, they'll pick up the oh, party for us. Great. They're gonna throw us out with the trash. Great. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, oh, dude. All well, right, Geo. This has been an amazing conversation. I, I really want to give you the floor. Uh, let us know where we can find you and leave us with some last words of wisdom and. Uh, let everybody know how we can connect. Um, well, I think that uh, people have to search for their inner truth, their, their, their own path. Like they have to have this drive on their own. I've, I've been noticing, like, I've been through this process of spiritual awakening and it's something that's been really good for me but i uh, and i've been trying to pass that on for people who i care but everyone has to have this drive on their own you know yeah and i think that not everybody is willing or ready or whatever else for this type of experiences, this spiritual side of life, this connection to your inner self, you know? And each person has their own time and their own path also. Um, I think that psychedelics may help that search if you are willing to travel that path and well i i think that's it yeah wow beautiful man thank you so much guys you can follow geo get in contact with them we have all the links in the description yep man thank you so very much for coming on the show yes um I, honestly 
I learned a lot. I, I try Same. to keep up on on what's going on. I don't have all the the exact scientific knowledge. I'm not gonna lie. I was sitting over here like, Jesus, man, you know a lot. Well, I've watched a, a more than a few uh, documentaries throughout the years. But well, uh, hey, it did uh, and, putting in the effort. Yeah, but this has been amazing. I mean, just Absolutely. to see the research that you're doing uh, and. You know, Maastricht is just it's it's a a beacon. It's hopping over there. It's hopping over there. So this is now Zeus, Geo. You know, yep. Who's next over there? I was about to say, keep telling your friends. (laughs) Oh yeah, we have some pretty good researchers. Yeah. Yeah, Well, anytime you want to come back as well, Geo, in the future, love to keep keep in contact and just kind of stay aware of you know how your research is progressing. Yes. if you yeah. ever want to come back on after Absolutely. You, you, you've published something that's out yes. of this world, boom, hit us up. Don't be a stranger. Perfect. We will have you back anytime to Absolutely. chat. Everybody here in the chat uh, had a, a great time. I actually saw some people in there that I, I think were here for you and um, yeah. some folks that you yeah, knew I, I, didn't, I didn't recognize. Yes, I invited some people. That was oh, great. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So shout out to all of them. Shout out to Chasing Mound Builders, by the way, for that super yes. super chat. Appreciate uh, that. You have a great great night too, brother. Um, but, yes. Uh, it's, it's uh, been, uh, also... Uh, yes. I would like to give a, a really big shout to Zeus. Yeah, who put For it sure. in Oh yeah, absolutely, yes. absolutely. That was he's, really nice of him. He's such a stellar dude. Yeah, yeah. He is yeah. so cool. And uh, you know, even Zeus's perspective on psychedelics and consciousness, and you know, we we've had our back and forth and in conversations with with his episodes. Your look outlook is is a little bit different is is different than Zeus's and 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 so I just love that there's so many people researching psychedelics that are coming from all these different backgrounds and and all these yes. different ways of thinking you know it seems like you're kind of on this spiritual path of discovery um but that's what we need with science I think it's just incredible what you're doing keep it up don't go anywhere because we'll we'll be right back. Uh, we're gonna outro the show and we'll give you a proper goodbye. Uh, okay. Yeah, Geo, everybody. Awesome. Thank you very much, guys. That was awesome. Peace, brother. There you go. It's a good one. Everybody out there. There's a lot to learn yet. You guys, I I, I know everybody out there enjoyed this one. Um, that was fun. Yeah. We have Lisa, or does that say Lanza? Lisa? Sorry if I'm, I'm butchering your name. Can you see I'm going to get you glasses. Yeah, you can see it, right? I can't read it. Um, yeah. These lights right here are blasting my eyeballs at the moment. Yeah. But everybody in the chat, thank you guys so much. Uh, like we said, go follow rock. go follow Necromechanimal on Instagram. Go check out the 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 edit he, he, he did for the promo for this show oh god we were cracking up earlier today it's great um we appreciate each and every one of you guys uh like subscribe and hit that notification bell uh and you know much love again to all the support chasing mound bitters for that super sticker um and and spotify keep hitting those reviews the ratings are great. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're enjoying, you know, uh, the Discord channel right now, getting everybody in the Discord server. Come hang out. Uh, lots of great conversations happening over there. And, uh, yeah, 
Got anything, Bob? Frogman Fest. Salmon Stone. No. Yeah. Much love to Salmon Stone. Coming in and rocking it. Rocking and Master Control. Everything sounded and looked great to me. Um, I love the way we we shared the slides and we're able to capture the slides and kind of bring it into the show. Hell yes. There they are. Follow Sam Thompson on Instagram. Uh, Thunderfish Sound, everybody. And uh, yeah, signing off. Much love. Later. Peace.